1: So I think we as women need to not be afraid to put ourselves in those situations. And we don't feel like we have to know everything. There was another quick example. I ended up buying an office space and I didn't tell a single person, not one person, that I was going into this meeting because I didn't want noise in my ear. So I went in and I said, oh, interesting. Well, you know what? Sounds like this might be a good opportunity, but I need more information. Hey, I'm happy to make a decision when I have all of the information. And I got to the end of it and I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. There were some challenges. I had to set boundaries. I had to negotiate. But all of those life skills I've taken with me, would I do it again? A thousand percent. Yes. Was I scared and like had on a tons of deodorant that day? And I was like, oh, I'm like sweating. I mean, I was in my early thirties and I'm buying, you know, I'm buying an office. Like what the heck? But again, I do that because I want to be able to say to women, you can do this. You can do it. We got to limit the amount of noise that we have in our mind and start reacquainting ourselves with our own brilliance and ability to make decisions. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Koski.
0: Welcome, listeners. I'm so happy that you're here today. We have divorce financial strategist Rhonda Nordyke with us, and I'm so excited. I'm going to take notes, I'm going to get to be a better mediator. I'm going to learn so much from Rhonda, and really what we're going to talk about. Well, first, we're going to get Rhonda's authentic story as to why she went into Kind of empowering women to feel more comfortable with their finances. And the things we're going to talk about, we've got about three topics we're going to touch on today. One of them is what the biggest challenge is for women who are contemplating a divorce or going through a divorce. Um, And then we're going to talk about how women can become more confident through that. I'm always looking for that. And then Rhonda is going to share with us her signature process to help women through divorce and finances. So Rhonda is you know, well-known. She's got a podcast of her own that I was just listening to today called Divorce Conversations for Women. It's a good one. Check it out. But Rhonda, thank you so much for being here. We're so grateful for your time and your expertise. I'm just excited to get to know you better.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. Well, would you mind starting before we hit those three topics with your story as to why you became a financial strategist for
1: divorce? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of layers to this, right? Like many things. But I really in 2013 was sitting in my office. I always say, hey, I had a great office. I was part of an executive team within the financial industry. And Really was like, okay, what do I want my business to look like five years from now? And anybody who asks themselves that question, whether it's for business or personal, that's never a comfortable question for us to ask ourselves, right? And when I was really honest with myself, which I know that a lot of people that are listening probably find themselves in that place too, if we're really honest with ourselves, the answer that I was getting was very different than stay the course. And what I mean by that is I decided to leave the financial industry in 2014 and open up a center designed specifically for women. And I did that for a couple of reasons. One, I was hosting women's events and would have women come in and say, Rhonda, I think I'm going through divorce. I don't know what's going on. I'm overwhelmed with the finances. My attorney's not calling me back. And I'm just really feeling frustrated. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way <laughs> to mm-hmm. this. And then the second part of it is, you know, like most things, it stems back to my childhood. I have always been the person who really wants to advocate for the underdog, for the person who is feeling disempowered. And I, when I did some analysis, what do I hate? Which I know is a strong question, but I believe that a lot of times we're called to change or influence the thing that things that we hate. And I can say with a great amount of confidence, I hate abuse. And I know that I'm not alone in that. But I wanted to be able to empower women around the finances so that they could break free from that. And I started in this space before a lot of people were doing, you know, apart from attorneys and mediators, there wasn't, a, there weren't a whole lot of people in this space, particularly around the finances. So I built my model, my business from the ground up and Always knew that this small tone girl wanted to impact people and had a big vision and a big dream. And here we are nine years later and have h- helped hundreds and hundreds and you know, making a difference one woman at a time.
0: I love it. God bless you. The you are the people that I want on this podcast, people who feel passion, who see something and they want to change it. So that is what we're all about here. And we're also about making divorce a little bit less scary so if we can kind of delve in, like I said, I'll take notes, but what do you see as the biggest challenge for women contemplating divorce? I have a pretty good idea what your answer is going to be, but let me
1: know. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we could summarize it by saying I feel a lot of times that really the biggest challenge is that we as women get in our own way. And there's two kind of underlying things to that, right? It's the fear. Fear of if I stay, fear if I go. So there's fear either way. But then there's this other powerful emotion called hope that we as women are really good at. And it keeps us stuck because we're hopeful that the empty promises are going to be satisfied. We're hopeful that the person's going to change. We're hopeful that, you know, our situation is going to change. And so I would say ultimately we could summarize that by saying, unfortunately, we as women get in our own way as we're navigating through what's ahead.
0: Do you know what I thought you were going to say? What? The budget. <laughs> you went deep with, you know, more of the emotional thoughts, which is so, so important. And I was thinking of the budget, the budget card. Yeah. Part. yeah. Um, so, which could be a roadblock eventually, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I totally, how do you help people know when it's time to stay or go?
1: Yeah, ultimately, you know, really they're the ones who have to make that decision. But one of the things, and to your point, right, the budget is an important part. It's one of the very first things when I'm taking people through that signature process is the budget because it it gives us kind of a preview into current and future, but it also helps with negotiations. And pretty much any question that we ask could ultimately come back to the budget. Should I rent? should I buy? How much can I afford for health insurance? What options? Like it all comes back to the budget. So it's a really foundational piece, but we can't even get to the budget until we can address Mm -hmm. some of the fears and, you know, hanging on to hope when that ship has already sailed, you know, to be able to have that. But it is a very important part of the process. So in helping people kind of navigate through that, there's a couple things. A lot of times people feel like they have to determine what's holding them back. And sometimes they know, and sometimes they don't know. I think a lot of times women feel like they have to be, I say that we have to feel like we're backed up against a wall, half dead before we we wave the white flag. Mm-hmm. And we have to start saying, listen, it is better for me to be proactive and let this unfold than having to feel like we have to be in reactionary flight or flight mode for every single thing, because we don't make good financial decisions when we're in that space. And so I think a lot of times, again, women want to feel like I've tried every possible thing, I've exhausted every possible option before I make a decision, to which I say, you don't have to file tomorrow. There are some things that you can be doing leading up to that. You can be interviewing team members, mediators, attorneys, you can be getting your budget in order you can be gathering and organizing financial information you can set up for you know sign up for the USPS you know informed delivery which is you know oh hey i can see what mail's coming into my house and then i can match it up to see if what's really what i'm getting from the mailbox is actually what's being delivered or is somebody potentially maybe kink some of the mail out before i'm able to see it like there's so many little things that women can do. And I always say women are really good private investigators when they have to be like, it's, you know, if we just picture this woman in a car with like the, you know, the car scoping it, like all we have to do is open our eyes and be aware of what's going on. And we're like, they left the risk, you know, the bank statements in the recycling bin of undisclosed accounts. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Oh, look, we got a bank statement from a credit union that I'm not familiar with. And I, I opened it because I wasn't sure and there was a $5 balance. Well, to me, that says, hey, there may be a loan there and the credit unions usually have a $5 minimum. So now we start to like get all of these little clues. We don't have all the answers, but we start to get little clues that help point us in the right direction, you know, as we're navigating through this process.
0: Right. And I always feel like as you gather information and get a little bit more clarity, it seems like there's always a little bit of relief because I know even like with that budget, you know, no one wants to do it. And then when they do, they, there's a little bit of relief because they actually know what they're working with. They know what they need. And then you have the power to go in and negotiate for what you really need. So even though it's hard, it's worth it because of the feeling on the other side. So I love how you've kind of wrapped all of that into kind of that first step, the first you know, subject that we were talking about. So now, so we kind of talked about the biggest challenge. Now I want to go into how can women, and I mean, I think getting the information is one way to become more confident, but how can you help women become more confident through this process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting because when I was back in the financial industry, one of the biggest things that I would find is that women would say, I want to learn about finances." And then they would go home and they would talk to their spouse and that person would say, oh, well, don't worry about it. We've got a guy, we've got it figured out or whatever. And ultimately what happens is it just chips away at our involvement in those conversations. Sometimes it is because of manipulation and control. Sometimes it's just because of life, right? And so we just divide and conquer. But ultimately, the formula for confidence related to the finances is simple. It's knowledge plus experience that equals competence. So if we have the knowledge without the experience, it's just theory. If we have the experience without the knowledge, it's trial and error. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, that didn't work, right? Mm -hmm. But when we have those two things working together, it's extremely powerful. And I always am telling women, listen, at the end of the day, you don't have to come to me and say, Rhonda, I'm smart. No kidding. I know you're smart. The biggest question isn't whether or not you're smart. The question is, do you have the right knowledge and the right experience to help you build the confidence? And a lot of times I'll see where women will come and they'll say, hey, my husband's in the financial industry or my husband's been in X, Y, Z, and he's super smart. Well, first of all, he probably is smart, but he might not be quite as smart as you think he is. And it doesn't mean that you're not smart, right? So it's just kind of an interesting thing. But the knowledge piece doesn't mean that people have to know everything about everything. What it means is having enough of a familiarity with certain pieces where you're like, "Hmm, I've heard that term before." I can't, re- I can't, you know, verbatim tell you the definition, but I, I've heard that. I remember when Rhonda mentioned that. Ooh, okay. And so that familiarity, right, or knowing where to look, or knowing what, you know, hey, help me better understand that is a great way for people to be able to acquire knowledge step by step. It doesn't mean the fire hose. It means bite-sized pieces along the way. And thankfully, the divorce process is set up that it lends itself for us to be able to do that step by step by step. So when they get through the process, if they maximize this opportunity, women can come out of the divorce process stronger, more confident, more empowered to make good decisions. On the flip side, oh, yeah, there's this experience part. And the only way that we can do that is to walk through it. So one of the best examples that I will sometimes use is buying a car. And several years ago, I was in the you know market for needing to get a new vehicle. And so I will often go in and put myself in these situations and say, okay, I'm showing up at the dealership as a single person. How am I being treated? What questions am I be am I asking? Like and I put myself in the position of my client, right? Am I willing to negotiate? What's this look like? Anyways, long story short, I make the selection on the car. My husband at the time comes to the dealership. We do the final paperwork. And he says to the finance manager, Hey, how often do you have women come in here and buy the vehicle? And I don't even know what we bought. Like he had not seen it until we went out to drive it off the lot. And the manager was like, thought he was in trouble. Like not very often, you know, like he was kind of like backpedaling a little bit. And Tim was like, no, this is actually kind of humorous to me because I just was curious, like how often this happens. And, why did I do that? I did that because if something happened to him and I was in that position where I had to go into a dealership, I can say, I did it. I negotiated that. I asked the questions, right? So I think we as women need to not be afraid to put ourselves in those situations and we don't feel like we have to know everything. I mean, there was another quick example. I ended up buying an office space and I didn't tell a single person, not one person, that I was going into this meeting because I didn't want noise in my ear. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I said, Oh, huh, interesting. Well, you know what? Sounds like this might be a good opportunity, but I need more information. Hey, I'm happy to make a decision when I have all of the information. And I love to do that. I didn't, I didn't close a deal in that meeting, but I did that real estate transaction without a realtor on my own. And I got to the end of it and I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. There were some challenges. I had to set boundaries. I had to negotiate. But all of those life skills I've taken with me, would I do it again? A thousand percent yes. Was I scared and like had on tons of deodorant that day? And I was like, oh, I'm like sweating. I mean, I was in my early 30s and I'm buying, you know, I'm buying an office. Like, what the heck? But again, I do that because I want to be able to say to women, you can do this, you can do it. And I'm here to help crunch numbers behind the scenes. And I'm help, here to help coach women before they go into that meeting and say, okay, what questions do you need to be asking? How do you need to be able to position? And is it okay to walk away if this thing goes sideways? Absolutely. You know, you can get up and walk out. Hey, I need a minute. I need right. a break, Right. you know? Um, And so it's really been kind of an interesting and fun journey. And I think at the end of the day, we can build our confidence. I think the other part is when we get to the other side of the divorce process, still standing in that, still standing in our power. And I've had a couple clients that have reached out, and what happens is they are like, Well, I'm still feeling unsettled after the fact because I'm still doubting myself. Kind of how we started, right? So then they'll pull in yeah. their parents, they'll pull in a boyfriend, they'll pull in somebody else to go with them. And these, I'm like, no, 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 no. Remember, look at all the things that you've done to get to this point, you are capable, you're smart, you're able to make big, great decisions. Not yeah. saying we don't need input, but we got to limit the amount of noise that we have in our mind and start reacquainting ourselves with our own brilliance and ability to make decisions.
0: Yeah, you're you're helping them find the courage to do it even if they are afraid. And I feel like I can't help but think, This is true for all women, whether you're getting divorced or not. You know, to be able, and I love how you talk about the knowledge and the experience. You have to have both. You can sit and read a million books, but if you don't go out and put it into practice, And that's where, when you have the courage to do that, you might make some mistakes. That's okay. That's how you learn, right? We don't have to be afraid of that. So I really, what you're saying just speaks to me on so many levels. So that's very, very helpful information to get into practice, to doing it on your own, no matter what your circumstances are as a woman, because sometimes we don't. You know, like you said, sometimes we fall back on, even, you know, I thought about, well, I bought a car by myself because my husband couldn't come, but I brought my dad. Well. (laughs) why couldn't I have just gone by myself? Right. So really, really interesting stuff. Okay. So Rhonda, now I need to ask you because we're, it's time is ticking away and you have so much great information. Can you share your signature process for guiding women through finances during divorce?
1: Absolutely. So I will, I know we've got a short time, so I'm just going to go high level, but I've taken hundreds of women through this process that I developed, and it now has a name, right? Like most things are like, ah, it now has a name. It's called the bridge method. And each of the letters stands for something. So we start with breathe. We've got to just breathe. We've got to get a lay of the land. We've got to get out of fight or flight mode, and we just got to get cold. And we got to build our team. So the B stands for breathe and build your team. The R is review the financial. So I go through a process to help women gather and organize the documents, label them accordingly. And understand, we use those micro moments to understand, hey, you've got this policy. What does that mean? You don't have to have the whole policy. We just got to have a summary. Let's talk about that. So that's been very, very helpful. The I is identify the gaps. What information do we still need that we don't have yet? And I always tell people, avoid the damn method and build the bridge. The damn method is, (laughs) and you'll appreciate this. So it's dodging the disclosure. Oh, you know what? They're not disclosing their assets. Avoiding getting the assets valued by a third party. Classic cars, businesses, pensions, the whole list goes on. And then misrepresenting information. So these are the kinds of tactics that I will see sometimes that people use to help, you know, to essentially avoid the full transparency on the financials. So We identify those gaps. We also identify if there are other people that we might need to consider to be part of that conversation. People will say, you need a forensic accountant. You need a business valuation expert. Okay, well, first of all, who are we looking for? What's the benefit? What's the deliverable? And Help me evaluate the decision on whether to do it or not. People will say, well, you should get a forensic accountant or no, you shouldn't. It's too expensive. Well, have we gotten a quote? Do we know if it makes sense? So that's where I come in to help with some of that decision making. The D is dial in the financials. So, okay, we've got the information. Now, how do we analyze that in a way? Do I keep the house? Do I not? Do I take more retirement? Do I take more cash? Those are the kinds of very practical conversations that we're having with clients. The G is guide. How do we guide clients to finish strong when they're nearing the end of the process? Maybe they've got that final draft of the agreement. I can help them identify a few things to make sure that they're looking for, to make sure that there's as few issues on the back end from a financial perspective. And then the E, we can exhale, right? It's like, okay, it's over. And now what? Well, now we need to create an action plan for post-divorce stuff. Connect them potentially with a financial advisor. I'm no longer doing financial product sales and implementing strategies on the investment side. So we can make those introductions, estate planning, you know, career development. I want to have them have a solid plan on where to go next and make any appropriate introductions to what I say, pass the baton to kind of that next post-divorce team. And then, Of course, I start that process over with others. So we offer the bridge method, one-on-one private consulting, as well as a small group format. And the small group format, like most things, just simply came out of the fact that there were so many women, so many women needed help. I am one person and I need to sleep. So we developed the bridge method as a small group program. And we also have bridge plus, which is the bridge group program plus private one-on-one, which is like a hybrid of the two. And it's been amazing amazing. So we have women from all over the world that are part of you know these conversations. And I am so grateful to be able to use a lot of the skills that I have from business and from teaching in higher education and developing curriculum to develop and really implement um, a process that I've taken so many women through that I know that works to help empower them as they're going through this process.
0: Well, and I think another thing I love about having that group is a lot of women love that feeling of being in community with other women who are, I think that is a benefit that you can't match when, yeah. and sometimes, you know, one-on-one is appropriate, but sometimes having that group is the best thing that can happen to make that divorce an opportunity.
1: Right. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. It really is. Yeah.
0: Hey friends, you may have heard me mention my Swan analogy How mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake. Not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.silberlink.com different. Rhonda, this has gone so fast and I love it so much. But as you know, because I do this in my barn and I've got my horses back there, at the end of the episode, I have what I call a saddle up segment where I have my guests give one little piece of advice or a tidbit of information that listeners can do right now to have a better life or something of that nature. Do you have something that you could share? You've already shared so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the first thing is really to, kind of like where you were leading before, get a good handle on expenses and start to really kind of dial that in. And I guess the subset to that, to throw in just a little bit of just become very aware. The mail, the email, the recycling bins, the tax returns. The One one thing that I will say that was pretty cool that I haven't mentioned yet is I had a client who was filling out the FAFSA form. College, you know, high school senior that's going to, to college filled out the FAFSA. The cool thing about fa- FAFSA these days is that you fill in the information and it auto-populates. Guess what she found out? What their income was. She had been, uh, she had been separated from that information, didn't have access to it, put in the FAFSA, She's like, Rhonda, guess what the income is? I now know.
0: Wow.
1: And so she hadn't signed tax returns for many years because, again, it's e-sign. People just sign other people's names. I know they're not supposed to do it. There's not a whole lot we can officially do about it through the process. But it's a great way for people to get that information. Or they can, of course, request the tax transcript. Go directly yeah. to the IRS. Don't pass go. Get the information. Yeah. But the FAFSA one I thought was very interesting. So if anybody's listening that you have to fill out the FAFSA form, just know that you might discover some information that you didn't know as you were filling that out.
0: Well, and that's nice to be able to get a little more usage out of that, you know, form.
1: Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. It's not so, all in vain. All of that work, yeah. but I put into doing that, right? I know.
0: I know that's a lot of work. I've got my baby, had not next year. So we've had a big span and lots of college and yeah, so... I hear you. I hear you on those. But yeah, that's great to know a great little piece of advice. So thank you so much. And Rhonda, if my listeners want to get a hold of you, we will have the information in the show notes, but what's the best way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Check out my podcast, Divorce Conversations for Women, or visit the website, wfwcdivorce.com, and they can get to the podcast and the blog, and they can reach out and all the things through the website as well.
0: Wonderful. Rhonda, thank you so thank much. You. This was really, really helpful. And I know my listeners are going to love it. We awesome. appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my Parenting Plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com Check out my online courses and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.